0: Listeners, welcome to Out of the Box. I'm your host, Jonathan Russo. Taking a break from Through the Marxist Lens, today we'll be talking about cryptocurrency. Now, I'm a crypto skeptic. I have been for a while. I wrote an article about crypto in 2016 for The Observer titled, Why You Need to Know What Bitcoin, Nixon, and Warhol Have in Common. Recently, I published a piece in Worth Magazine about the dangers of buying cryptocurrency, which got some notice. It was chapter and verse on my concerns about crypto as an investment. I sent the piece to an acquaintance of mine, Lou Kerner, who I have a tremendous amount of respect for and believe is a really smart person. Lou, a Wall Street analyst who previously worked at Goldman Sachs and served as the CEO of two different internet companies, later became an angel investor and VC focused on crypto. He's been involved with it since June 2017. He wrote back to me, Jonathan, you're a really smart guy, very good article, but you just don't get it. So I thought I would try to get it, and hopefully out-of-the-box listeners will be able to get it too, or agree with me and share my crypto skepticism. Here we are today with Lou Kerner to discuss the philosophy behind crypto. I'm going to let Lou speak on why cryptocurrency is the revolutionary finance machine he thinks it is and then we'll see what I have to say. Lou
1: Thanks for having me Jonathan. When I use the word crypto, I mean it is a series of technologies um, you know starting with blockchain cryptocurrency smart contracts zero knowledge proof nFTs and I could go on that are enabling brand new ways to do business but really at the very core, and what got me super excited was the fact that now for the first time in history, we have the opportunity to solve for the community instead of the man in the middle. Everything else has always worked, whether it's, you know, a business or a government with, you know, basically some guy sitting in the middle, spending the majority of his time solving for himself. And, you know, it's good if you're him or you're close to him, right? Uh, if, you're, if you're familiar with the Cantillion effect, which is the closer you are to the production of money, the better off you are. But not so good for everybody else. And now, you know, I guess it's it's kind of socialism. And socialism obviously has a bad word because it's always failed prior to this, always would, because you still basically always ended up with a guy in the middle who solved for himself. And so basically before this, yeah, it's my belief that all systems were corrupt, and now you can have effectively uncorrupt systems and take out massive amount of noise and friction in the system like DeFi. We don't need a bank in the middle to tell us the way that it is. You is. Know, they're just a set of rules that you might think that you have agreed to with the bank, but if the bank decides to, they can do whatever they want. And of course you can sue them and then the court gets to decide or somebody else who probably doesn't really know or understand very much about what you're talking. So what I'm super excited about is this brand new way of doing things. It's very similar in my mind to the internet and as fundamentally as the internet changed everything this is i think is going to change everything even more because it's built on you know create more wealth because it's built on top of the internet
0: okay let's start with something that you brought up right away which was DeFi. could you just explain what DeFi is
1: so DeFi is decentralized finance so you don't need to go and talk to a loan officer at a bank if you want to get a loan in DeFi, you just go to a loan protocol and it asks for assets you can put up for collateral and it tells you what interest rate you pay, if any, and then you can get the loan. And so you take out all that bullshit in the middle, which, you know, I mean, theoretically is meant to be fair, but we all know that it's not fair. We all know about redlining and it's just, you know, by definition, very biased systems that you know are great for me as an old white guy. But the world is changing, and I think, you know, I have three sons, and I think that this is the best opportunity for the world to move forward, uh, to provide the kind of fairness that most people want.
0: So let's talk about, again, DeFi. So I understand that the idea of a decentralized finance system, like an auction where you would be able to say, "Okay, I need a loan to buy a house. Who wants to give me the loan and what's the terms? And you don't have to go to a bank. You can go to the general world, the Internet, and anybody can loan you that money. And you're disintermediating the bank officer. is between you and somebody who wants to give you that loan. But a lot of DeFi that I understand is about alternate currencies. Everybody wants their own currency. Facebook is going to come out with Libra. There's something like 4,000 token currencies right now that are no longer tied to the U.S. dollar that are yeah, decentralized.
1: I know where you're going, and I don't mean to interrupt, but unfortunately, I'm going to have to, you know, say this again and 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 again because it's it's one of the real common fallacies among people who understand. So, do you think of frequent flyer miles as money, as currency?
0: In a sense, yes, they have a value. So I do.
1: So, and you go, why? What? That? Why does the world need another currency like frequent flyer miles? Do you believe that?
0: Okay, go ahead.
1: So why do you believe that about every other company? All these are, are frequent flyer miles. All these are, are incentive mechanisms to have people engage with the protocol and to reward them for doing so in ways that are helpful to the community.
0: Well, what happens if I'm dealing with you know, currency X and you're dealing in currency well, Y?
1: By, by the way, you call it currency. Okay, what do you mean by currency? Is, Method can be of exchange. Can medium medium of exchange. Currency? You're calling it currency. I'm not calling it currency. Mm-hmm. So you have to first define what currency is, and that's why I said is frequent flyer miles a currency. Okay. So what well, else frequent is a How frequent
0: flyer are miles are a medium of exchange. So in a sense, they're a currency. So if I have a let's not use the word currency, I'll grant you that. If a medium of exchange is I have medium X, and that's the medium I'm using, and you have medium yes. Y, you are no longer using the U.S. dollar to transact things. We're transacting them in different car, different tokens or what have you why is that productive it, it sounds like chaos
1: well first why do you want to tie everything to a dollar why do you have to go from
0: that's the question you, know, you want it?
1: to sell something you got to sell it to a dollar then you got to take your dollar and then you can buy something why can't you just take your a and give it to somebody for their b if it's a fair exchange of value right isn't that an easier system and a better system and now you don't have the man in the middle with the dollar saying the way the world's going to work and well he- controls the dollar, and he gets to decide who can have a dollar and who gets to send a dollar. And if they want to decide that Iran can't have a dollar or use the financial system upon which the world is built and they control, then Iran's out. And that works if, you know, if, if you're the man sitting in the middle deciding who's in and out, and it's not so good for everybody else.
0: Okay. You use the word socialism, and I'm going to use the word anarchism. Because I don't see any socialist aspect to any of this. I just see anarchism. I see that we're going to go back to the point where I wrote in the article in the United States, when we started, every single state had its own currency. They didn't have a. Again, have these
1: are companies. You got to realize these are companies. These are companies that use currencies as part of their technology. Did you ever say there are too many Internet companies because they were using the Internet as a new technology? No, of course you didn't. These are just companies. They're all doing different things. Some of them are actually trying to be currencies, but like, you know, less than 1% of them, most of them are just using it as part of the technology stack upon which their business is predicated, but it is not a currency competing to be used, you know, to buy everything. But, you know, as you said, there are tens of thousands of these companies and very few of them are trying to be currencies. They just use this technology we call cryptocurrency to give value to just like the United Airlines uses frequent flyer lines.
0: Okay, let's move on to Bitcoin.
1: You know, I spent a lot of time. It was very hard for me to see what I call seeing the crypto light. And so I spent a lot of time thinking, you know, why is it so hard to see the crypto light? And I think, you know, to some degree, I think your ability to see the crypto light has a negative correlation to how much money you have. Because if the current system has worked well for you, then, you know, you're perfectly happy just looking in front of you to understand the way the world works, because it's uncomfortable to look side to side and question things that you believe to be true. But, you know, if it hasn't been so successful, your, your, your mind is more open to maybe alternatives that could work better for you. And I would just add, at four years of doing this is I no longer try and help people understand it because it's too complex for me to explain it in two minutes or five minutes. What I try to do is help people appreciate that this is the future and this is happening like gravity. And if they spend the time to educate themselves, they can kind of get ahead of it. But they don't need to i mean you, you didn't have to by the time the internet went mass market you know you didn't have to read a book about how it worked. or the cell phone And when this goes mass market you're not going to need to read anything to understand it right i don't know how the internet works i just use it and get massive value from it
0: okay got it that's clear and i understand that there is a element of like a cult-like idea where you know there are people who get it and the people who don't get it and it took a while to get it and if you don't get it you just don't get it but we'll move on from that Who is it in my mind that is very interested in crypto? You're quite right. It isn't necessarily people who have made a fortune or sitting on a fortune. It seems to me to be the ultimate means of speculation for people who want to get rich quick. When you buy something for $10,000 and, you know, six months later, it's $50,000 or $30,000 and three weeks later, it's $60,000. That's like, wow, you know, if I buy this, maybe it'll go higher.
1: I have a word for that. You know what I call that, what you're describing? What's that? capitalism.
0: Okay. Meaning?
1: I mean, is it something else? I mean, you know, you know, again, you want to pass laws to tell people they can't buy what they oh, want. Oh, no, not at I, all. I mean, it's spe- that's, that's, I, that's I call cool. it speculation. But, but, but look, Yes. And, and by the way, that was true of everything before this. That's true of the stock market. That's true of lottery tickets, right? The government says, hey, go buy lottery tickets. Is that not the ultimate get-rich-quick scheme? So the government is saying, hey, don't do crypto, that's a get-rich-quick scheme, but go buy a lottery ticket. I mean, it's crazy, right? So. You know, the the bottom line is this is a thing for me being a little bit older. I got in in mid-2017 just, you know, as the bubble was really starting to gain a lot of steam. And, you know, it started to crash six months later. But because I thought it was the future, I didn't let the market tell me that this wasn't a thing. There's a great law called Amari's Law that that the impact of all great new technology is overestimated in the short run and underestimated in the long run. So, you know, you're you're exactly right. A lot of people come here because it looks like easy money. And, you know, obviously in the long run, nothing is easy money. And then when the eventual, you know, bear market comes and, and, you know, the, the, the market swings from bear to bubble and back to bear, that's what it does. You know, those people leave. And that's fine you know let them come for the money that's you know people actually buying and holding it is very helpful not so helpful when they leave but you know if you're providing them value theoretically they should stick around i describe it like a Cambrian explosion where you're getting all of these new life forms tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of new life forms and and most will probably die out but but the ones that survive uh, many of them are going to be epic
0: got it okay let's talk about my concern about bitcoin being the getaway car as i put it for all sorts of illicit transactions you know recently we've seen this colonial pipeline uh, ransom shakedown i think i read about an irish hospital system was completely shut down and had to pay a huge ransom in bitcoin all sorts of operators are using malware and the method of exchange for that because it's not traceable by a central bank is in fact bitcoin Do you not worry that like what China has just done and India did before China? Do you not worry that the powers that be and they are still powerful are going to turn around and say, you know, we're not going to let people be, you know, shaken down? I mean, suppose New York City goes dark for three days because somebody hacked, you know, into Con Ed and demanded $50 billion in Bitcoin. I mean, at some point, don't you think the government is going to say, we're not doing any more Bitcoin? We're not going to allow any Bitcoin transfers? So tell me you're concerned about that. So,
1: I I, I mean, I'm concerned about crime. And if you really cared about crime, you'd look into FinCEN and and all the banks and Deutsche Bank and on and on and on. And every bank in Wells Fargo, they all do massive, massive money laundering. That's true all the but time. they, but they get caught, but they can get caught thousands, fine thousands you're right and thousands and thousands and thousands of times greater than what's being done with bitcoin that does not get caught what percentage of it do you think gets caught 1% 0.1% 0. 0.00001% 0. a tiny they don't do it because they get caught all the time. They do it because they never get caught. So this happens all the time. That's the problem. If you think crime is really a problem, you want to stop crime and all the horrible things that go on in the world with all these horrible people start there. That's That's where the money is getting moved around.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, How how can you argue with that? That's all true. Um, But it is in the nature of uh, the uh, criminals, if you will, that be uh, with with the power to... Cut out the new criminal gang, you know, I mean, that, that's what gangs do, right? Somebody encroaches on their turf and, you know, they take out their submachine guns and eliminate them. That's what Bugsy Moran did. So I am watching how people are, in fact, trying to...
1: Okay, but look, you could have... They did that with the internet when it first started, right? The government could have just as well as said, you know what? All of this illicit activity going on over the internet, it's all a bunch of... Uh, uh, sex and, and porn <laughs> and, and drugs, and let's just shut down the internet, right? I mean, Jesus. Right, And by the way, countries did for that reason. And that's exactly what the government is doing here. The government can try to stop it. The government will have some success in stopping it. But be very clear, this is happening the same way that the internet happened. And what you're getting is regulatory arbitrage. You're getting people are leaving the United States and they're going elsewhere, largely in Asia but also in Europe, where where they're being welcomed with open arms and being helped, not looked at like criminals.
0: Well, how much of Bitcoin is being held in mind in China? What's the what, what's the percentage of that that uh, is is in China?
1: Uh, I think the the, the latest statistics uh, Q which are that I've seen are Q two twenty um, that show sixty one percent of the hash rate is in China.
0: Right, that's kind of what I thought was what what I thought also. You know, China really is authoritarian. I mean, they don't tolerate anything that they don't want to have. So if China decides that they're going to outlaw Bitcoin and the medium of Bitcoin, how would that affect the whole crypto world if the world's you know, most advanced new economy says we're not doing this? You've got to do a digital yuan or digital renminbi.
1: So, I mean, it's my view that the Chinese government is massively more functional than our government and that they appreciate what's going on and that they're playing a long game and they see Bitcoin's place in the world and that they will act appropriately. I think Bitcoin is an amazing tool for them to use to help drive a wedge into the you know the dollar being the, the reserve, um, and then by the way maybe the RMB can also be a reserve. Um, so to me, uh, you know the the vast majority of Bitcoin held by Chinese are held offshore. You know wealthy people have you know a tremendous amount of wealth offshore, and you know what you're seeing is. The Bitcoin now moving out of China, the Bitcoin that was there and why the government is choosing to do that. I believe that, you know, the the government really isn't choosing to do it with crypto. You know, the government, this is what the government there does. They just take control of stuff so that they have control and they know what's going on. I don't think they're pinpointing crypto, right? You know, you've been following what they've done with Alibaba and, you know, they just want to take more control over things at the moment. They don't want it to get too out of control. But, you know, I, I think that they are managing it, you know, I, I think you know, 100x better than the U.S. government is handling it. And they're fostering massive amount of innovation. They're supporting it with government dollars. And you can go to Shanghai and it's got a very, you know, a vibrant crypto scene there with a lot of innovation going on.
0: Okay. So... Let's talk about volatility in crypto, because obviously since I wrote my article on May 13th, the volatility has been you know, astounding. So the, technically, you know, if you had bought something on Monday in, you know, with crypto, uh, with Bitcoin, um, it would be worth half of what you paid for it just on the currency exchange alone. What's all this volatility about and why does it not concern you? Um, is it something very short term that we just have to deal with and everybody has to buckle up? Or is it is it symptomatic of something really wrong with the the way the currency is valued or the crypto is valued that the volatility would be so extreme that you literally could you know, lose half your money in, in, in three weeks?
1: Uh, so if you think about how valuable an asset can be in five years or 10 years or 20 years, um, you, know, you, you can start to see massive, massive differences in value. Um, when things have greater volatility, right? So the likelihood that Bitcoin is going to be, you know, something that's 50,000 today is going to be, you know, worth a million dollars is far greater than a similarly valued thing with a much lower volatility. So, you know, I, I think what, what Bitcoin, to the degree you want to call it, suffers from, I, I mean, volatility to me isn't a, is, isn't a negative. It just, it, it just it, it's just a, a, a thing. Um, uh, you know it's, it's just a number and you could say a, a higher number is worse than a lower number um, but you know a higher number as long as you know it's a higher number is totally fine and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it you know the, the, that's the whole thing about Bitcoin that you know again that people don't understand it has a unique set of properties that nothing like it has ever had before I think that are going to allow it to be a lot more things even than it is today. Right now you're thinking of it as a store of value and a lot of people go, well, how can it be a store of value if it's so volatile?" And that's a super fair question and the fact is actually it's not a store of value today because it is so valuable. Today it's just an investment that it is going to be a store of value in my mind. And if I'm right, that investment in this thing that's going to be a store of value is going to be phenomenal. It's a massive asymmetric bet. Right. Right. It could go from 50,000 to zero, so I could lose 50,000. But how many other things do you really think can go to a million from 50,000 uh, uh, in 10 years and have conviction about? It?
0: You're saying something that I, I, I wrote about, which I didn't think you would agree with. I think that Bitcoin is a collectible. And you're now saying in a sense that it is a collectible, you know, that it has a it's not a store of value. It's not a currency. You've said that. And that's interesting because uh, I wasn't sure that you believed that. But um, I, I do see Bitcoin as a potential collectible. They're you know, like a rag doll or, or some ceramic piece that it has a limited number. You know, you're making 5000 rag dolls and you're going to number them all. And at the end of the game, you know, everybody can decide what that rag doll is worth or any other collectible. Well,
1: if, if, I, if you consider gold a collectible,
0: then that's fine. I kind of do consider it a collectible, except yeah. that you can make mine more of it, and Bitcoin brilliantly, and I will certainly accede to that, brilliantly created the idea of a finite amount of collectible currency, whatever you want to call it. Unlike gold, which, you know, can mine more and people turn in their jewelry when the price goes up. So there's a supply and demand element that is unknown to gold, whereas Bitcoin eliminated the mystery. And that is that is special. I mean, I'll certainly agree with you that. It's like a limited number of Picasso prints, you know. After we reach 2,000 of these prints, we're not making any more. So everybody can decide what the 2,000 are worth. In that way, is Bitcoin a collectible look? Yeah,
1: yeah exactly. Well, that's, that's one of the properties. You know, and again, we're using words. This thing has never existed before. Right. So it's a whole brand new animal. And I'll bet you in 10 or 20 years, we'll be using other words to describe it because we'll have a better sense of what it is. And in some ways, again, it's going to be lots and lots of things, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. So you can see it as a collectible. You can see it as a store of value. You can see it as an investment. You can see it as a currency. And if that's what you see, then that's what it is. Right. You don't need other people to agree that it's a currency as long as you can use it as a currency. Right. (laughs) Okay, that's really
0: fair, but also brings up another concern of mine, which is since it's new and since it's revolutionary and since it doesn't have a physical presence in the sense that it's only uh, digitized on the internet and in servers, how come we're not going to have 25 more? You know, bitcoins, if you will, and the market is just going to be so confused and there won't be any real store of value because everybody will be making their own bitcoin. I mean, why will Bitcoin survive and be the only one? Look at MySpace, which I know you were aware of early on. I mean, that's gone. I mean, you know, it was replaced by Facebook and 20 other twenty other yeah, social look, media sites.
1: I, I think it's, it's a relevant question. But first, I just want to make a point, too, that people don't really even understand how the US dollar works, right, and how debt works. I mean, you know, so. We, we say, well, people don't understand how Bitcoin works. How can it, you know, people invest something? Well, people fundamentally do not understand money at a very, very, very fundamental level. They have no idea what's going totally on. Totally true. And so, you know, I, I think ultimately this isn't even really about people understanding. Because ultimately, at some point, everybody, including me, with Bitcoin or the U.S. dollar has to take a leap of faith. Yeah. And so at some point you go, wow, I'm so overwhelmed with all the positive things. I'll take a leap of faith with the stuff I don't understand. Um, right. But at least be aware of what you don't understand. Also with the U.S. dollar. Right. What are the things, you know, how much money is the U.S. printing today? Right. You don't know, but you know, it's a lot. How? You know, so, you know, they're going to print ungodly amounts of money. You know who buys our debt, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We do <laughs> with the money we print. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay
0: that's Lou if you want to talk about you know uh, the Ponzi scheme of the the currency yes, and you exactly. know, uh, so, so right you you through, that's questions. that's
1: that's a granted QE2 QE4 yeah, QE got QE. In- questions I about it, that's total bullshit that's going on here and you call this anarchy it is the exact opposite of anarchy that in my view is anarchy this you know exactly what it is is it's a set of code you know exactly what it's going to be today tomorrow and that and it is what it is it's like gravity and gravity, would you call gravity anarchy? No, gravity is the exact opposite of anarchy. You know exactly what it is. It's everything else that's anarchy that you're buying into. That's fucking hard. Sorry. That's anarchy. <laughs>
0: wow. That is as clear as a bell. And um, it's very hard to disagree with that. It's hard to disagree with your premise that the known quantity numbered and serialed and not subject to inflation or debasement. Uh, and that's with the appeal of it. I get that. I mean, I truly get that. Now I just worry again. That brings me back to wow. If this is going to be that successful, you know, is the government or the world governments or the central banks going to uh, you know uh, allow this competition in? And you're basically you've said they can't really stop it. You know, or it's going to be very hard for them to stop it. And that's really possible. That's really that, that's really that's really conceivable. That'll it be very hard for them to stop because it can continue move offshore. Or it can move into the dark web or other other places yeah. where people want well, to train. It's not even
1: the dark web. Other countries, like you know, you know what FTX is? No. It's some company started by I think the kid was like twenty five years old, you know, and he, he had to go to Hong Kong to start it, and and now, you know, he just bought the naming rights to Miami Stadium that where the Heat play. <laughs>
0: Okay. No, I understand that they're brilliant successes. I mean, believe me. I don't, I don't know,
1: but, but these people are leaving the United States because right. they can't do it here. So uh-huh. again, we're not we're not stopping it from happening. We're just stopping it from happening here, and that's a gotcha. travesty.
0: Okay. So let's kind of think about wrapping up. But is there anything else that you want to make the point of that I haven't like prodded you to, to make the point of?
1: Yeah, I'll repeat myself. But yeah, you know, this is the thing. Take the time to to understand it. I say the best way to do that. I put out a weekly newsletter, and yep. the last thing in every newsletter is a link to the top 50 crypto bloggers on Medium, and they change all the time. And if you follow all 50, if you click to that page and follow all 50, every day you'll get an email with all kinds of different crypto-related you know, stories that have been written and start reading the ones that appeal to you and you know, start them, you know, digging in the stuff that you don't understand. And little by little, day by day, you'll learn. And it might take you a week, a month, two months, but you'll see the crypto light. It's, you know, it's, it's getting, and it's getting brighter every day. It's, I, I joked it, the best ROI of my lifetime, the three highest ROIs, the first is uh, putting on a motorcycle helmet, the second is flossing my teeth, and the third is uh, learning about crypto.
0: <laughs> Fascinating. Lou, really, um, you are a smart guy, and I paid a fair amount of attention to this, and I've learned a lot and uh, i'm certainly going to do what i can to you know continue to follow this and pay attention and perhaps you know change my mind or opinion but i certainly have to grant you that your arguments make a tremendous amount of sense and you have an answer for almost everything and it's a good answer it's an accurate answer it's not a ridiculous well, answer so i appreciate I, that
1: i appreciate that and also I, I appreciate you you know for having an open mind i mean i think that it has to start with that right if you don't have an open mind and again i i, I think There are a lot of people who think they have open minds with this, right? You know, Warren Buffett, smart guy, but calling it rat poison, right? When he doesn't really understand it, I'm not sure who he's helping
0: yeah no i know it's got it's come under a lot of pressure you know as, as it gets more successful if you will it has come bitcoin and and crypto has come under a lot of barry diller came out the other day with some really snide remarks noriel Rabini came out you know with some snide remarks i mean as it gets bigger the, and, and more prominent you know it looms larger in the economic mind of a lot of people and, sure. i mean the financial times did a really really interesting piece by uh, katie martin Cryptocurrency holders take on central banks at their peril. I mean, there's smart people writing on the other side, too. So our listeners can read your recommended crypto bloggers, and certainly they can read the FT and they can read worth and they can read, you know, whatever else they want to read. Uh, The minutes of the central bank. How about that one? Didn't this happen in Europe? The central bank call came out and said it was a tulip. Craze. I mean, you know, so clearly there's going to be some pushback, but you're a good advocate for the other side. I really, really thank you, Lou. This was a fascinating conversation. Thanks, listeners. Thanks again for tuning in to Out of the Box with Jonathan Russo. Your input is valuable to us, and we would really like to hear from you. Please send us an email anytime with feedback at OOTB with JRusso at gmail.com and follow us on our Twitter page, OOTB with JRusso.
1: This has been a copyrighted
0: production of Grapevine Incorporated. All rights reserved.